2: Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Pals, and this episode I'm joined by entertainment reporter Justin Hill, where we're discussing Greta Gerwig's Barbie. I'm Timmy Flynn, movie buff, and this is Popcorn Pals, a popcorn podcast with Lee and Tim spinoff where I'll be joined by a rotation of movie-loving legend guest hosts to discuss the latest and greatest new big screen releases. It's the same salty fun with some new flavors, friends, and I'm so thrilled to have an absolute icon of Australian media join me today, TV presenter red carpet reporter and podcast host a man of many talents and killer red carpet looks someone who i admire for their incredible work ethic achievements over the years and most importantly kindness Justin Hill how are you doing?
3: Oh what an intro I tell you what as as you were saying all those things my my mind just like flicked to my most recent red carpet outfit and how sore my feet were after it so I'm glad that they look good because they're not practical and they're not comfortable but you know as long as it looks all right that's the most important thing. You always look
2: amazing my friend. Was it the boots that you wore at the Barbie premiere the other day by chance? <laughs> yeah, okay, It
3: was but then all of a sudden the photographer had me yeah. jumping and I I was like that's a good jumping shot why are you making me jump in a high heel boot like it's not it's not safe at all and I would not recommend it
2: can I ask how many jumps did you endure because there are so many like where it looks like you you're pushing a turd out you know when it just doesn't you're not like you're not in the air it's just yeah. that moment before and they're yeah. just like straight in the bin how many did you have to do so
3: this would be probably the fourth time that that particular photographer has asked me to jump in an outfit and it started when I once did the actor awards and I wore the most amazing cloak that you've ever seen and so he was like Mm -hmm. why don't you jump and like make the cloak like fly out and I was like brilliant idea anything to get in the Daily Mail and so you know (laughs) like so I did that and then from then onwards you know if I ever wore an outfit that he thought had a bit of movement in it um, he would always get me to jump and so the first time I did it I was wearing a full suit with a button-up shirt and like a a tie and the cloak and a jacket and everything. And I was so sweaty afterwards from doing it because he made me jump like – 10 11 12 times oh, no. and th- but then from that point onwards i was like i feel like i got the hang of it and so now it only usually takes me like one or two times and we get it so you're a pro now <laughs> but can i ask when
2: you do clock that photographer on the
3: red carpet mm. do you try and go the other way or you just no like, oh, way let me jump no because he's the man you want to get your photo with so i'm like anything for you <laughs> yeah
2: that's right now Justin, you you are the busiest man on planet earth every day. There's a, a, there's a new event, a new jumping Mm -hmm. moment, I guess you could say there's a new hosting gig, new podcast episode, be it your own.
3: An opening of an envelope, like just whatever, you know, I'm
2: there. I'm at it. (laughs) I always say that about my sisters. They'd go to the opening of an envelope. Totally. Which is fine. It's fine. I mean, there's some really nice envelopes out there. Beautiful (laughs) stuff at Smiggle, et cetera. You talk to so many celebrities,
3: you have TV appearances. Do you have the greatest job in the world? I feel like I do. And the, the shocking thing for a lot of people when they hear that is they're kind of firstly horrified to hear how long I've been doing it for. So I've been doing this kind of at work for about 15 years now Amazing. and it's very interesting and I learned this the hard way is that you don't ever want to say to someone that they're like an overnight success and mm. I did it once very early on in my career and the person I kind of remember who it was, I think they were like a one hit wonder, but they got a bit offended and but they handled it really mm. well. And they were like, you know, I've been working at this for years and blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny now to be here 15 years into my own career and be like, mm. you know, I really feel like the last maybe two years for me have really escalated quite quickly um, yeah. you know, with my TV show and Hey You and podcasts yeah. and things like that. But it's really funny because a lot of people are like, oh, where did you come from? But then a lot of other people are like, oh, you've been around forever. We know you. So, yeah, it's just really fascinating to um – to talk to people about it. And the other thing that people don't like to hear is that this is not my full-time job. I also have a full-time job as well. So, Gosh. you know, I am working like, you know, not just nine to five, I'm working like nine to nine, you know, and if you want to make it in this industry, you really have to understand that as you know, you know, your weekends, your your evenings, mm. your days off um, are usually filled with going to events and, and figuring out what it is that you're doing at that event and what opportunity lies there and unfortunately a lot of people think it's just a lot of like standing around and drinking champagne but it's really not it's actually everything's a networking opportunity and you know and it's the most exciting job in the world it's taken me it's taken me all over the planet like I've been to so many different countries and you know interviewed I mean you name them I've interviewed them which is you know Mm. a really great thing to be able to to say when you when you're doing your job.
2: Now, we're here to talk Barbie, of course, and you recently spoke with Margot Robbie, You mm. know, talking to people that you've you've interviewed recently. She was down here in Oz a couple of weeks ago for part of the whirlwind Barbie press tour that was just taking over the cultural zeitgeist everywhere you <laughs> looked. Really did. How was that? How, how was your chat with Margot?
3: What did you guys talk about? It was a really amazing this is the thing so the ethos that they've had with this film is and you know it's in the movie is having the best day ever and so I feel like the real focus from Warner Brothers was to make sure that when they did the press tour that each opportunity was the best day ever and Mm. that's everything (laughs) from you know like um the press conference was at Bondi Icebergs right near Bondi Beach yeah Icebergs Mm. it was like looking out to Bondi Beach they had the pool with, you know, like the Barbie logo on the bottom and the whole thing was just um, dressed and and set like a film set. Like there were surfboards and, and you know, like towels and, and, you know, chairs to sit on and it was all Barbie branded and it literally looked like they turned it into the, the Barbie dream house. And then yeah. you look at the premiere it was the same kind of thing. So they really took on this idea of, of creating the best day ever at every opportunity. So Chatting with Margot was, is always lovely. I think I probably interviewed her like maybe four or five times now. Mm. The last time I spoke to her for Babylon, we had a bit of a viral video um, happen out of that. In the middle of talking to her on the red carpet um, for Babylon, her teenage friends or her, the friends yes. from her childhood walked past and yelled out her childhood nickname. Isn't it great? Isn't it such a wonderful moment? And such an Aussie moment for like your mates yes. to walk past. You're a huge superstar. And they yell past <gasps> and go, Hello, maggot <laughs> and I, at the time was like, Oh, what, like, who are they? What's going on? And the security guards were all looking and she kind of turned around and was like, Oh my God. And like had this really great moment. And here I am just trying to get a question out of her. Cause I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what's going on here and we almost didn't take that video out and put it online it nearly didn't see the light of day but I just afterwards was like hey that was a really funny bit maybe I'll just put that on my social media and then you know have the interview on my podcast and stuff and I I think my video from last count has nearly two million views on it and another entertainment website no another entertainment site that that ripped the video from me, but whatever, that happens in the industry. <laughs> um, It has a uh, hundred million views on it. So it's just oh insane. Oh my God, Justin. Yeah. So she is like a a. I think she's very underrated as to how much people love her. She's a massive superstar. She has a she's huge a fan superstar. following. And so it was very evident when I was talking to her that she just is so down to earth and normal and very invested in this as a producer and a star of the film as well.
2: Well, look, let's get on with the party, Justin, and let's go party Barbie, shall we? So let's talk about the movie. Shall we? Now in Barbie, Barbie is the most popular of all the Barbies in Barbie land, yet begins experiencing an existential crisis. So she must travel to the human world in order to understand herself and discover her true purpose, Barbie is directed by Greta Gerwig from a screenplay by Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, Simu Liu, Kate McKinnon, Michael Sira, Ariana Greenblatt, Helen Mirren, and Will Farrell. Now, you already referenced the, the marketing campaign here. Like, we have never seen marketing or partnerships. Quite Mm. like Barbie in recent years. Barbie was and still is everywhere. And it's deep within the culture's zeitgeist for anyone who has eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot escape this. (laughs) You cannot. It's had a brilliant social media campaign. And as I mentioned, the partnerships and collaborations with other brands, I'm going to list a few. Now I'm sure this isn't an exhaustive list. The likes of Airbnb, Xbox, uh, Pinkberry Froyo. OPI nail polish, who were at the premiere we were mm-hmm. at the other day. Uh, Peter Alexander, I have gone in to check out some of those PJs. <laughs> uh, Forever 21 chat time, you can get smoothies and drinks. Grilled a pink yep. burger. The which pink I burger? I, yes. Have you tried it yet? Have you <laughs> had no. I'm not, no, sure not, how I not, can not on your way that. <laughs> I'm going to give it a go. I'll take one for the team. Okay. There's also it. Aldo Homesick Candles. Dragon glassware, sorry, I'm almost done. Ruggable rugs, and this is the most wild thing Crocs. Crocs, yeah. Yeah. So, yet, okay, yet somehow with all this marketing and the buzz and anticipation, no one really knew what Barbie was about. Yeah. And I think it's safe to say that Barbie is not what you expect. It certainly wasn't what I was expecting.
3: What were your expectations going into this initially? Well, I was there actually, there's two things I would say about the marketing campaign. What's very interesting. Mm. And I've been explaining this to people when they say, what was that budget like? And I'm like, yes, mm. the budget would have been insane, but they're talking about this film making a billion dollars. So, you know, when you've got a billion dollars on the line, you're happy to spend quite a few million to get the billion. But Mm, I think from a consumer perspective, we need to look at it and go, um, there is some promotion that will have come from Warner Brothers. Then Mm -hmm. there's promotion that will have come from Mattel. Now, when we look at this stuff and we look at the glass house candles and the Crocs and all of this stuff, we can't really tell the difference between what's Barbie and what's Barbie movie because they all sit under one umbrella of the Barbie brand. So from a budgeting perspective, it was a very clever use of taking what the movie company were doing, taking what the owners of the brand were doing and really kind of like meshing it in the middle so that no one could really tell who was paying for what. There were a lot of local... Cool collaborations, so specifically here in Australia and in other markets, and then there were international collaborations as well. And I also think with um there must have been a very young, very talented group of people in this marketing team because traditionally, with marketing people, they look at their brand and they go, Oh, we don't want too many things. We just want to be selective and we just want it to be one or two, and then that's it. We don't want to oversaturate the brand. I feel like this has the kind of vibe to me that maybe um, some really savvy, some really perhaps younger, I don't know that for a fact, but they've probably mm. gone, let's consider everyone who comes to us. If the collaboration is of a high quality and it's right, let's do it because there would be money that they would make off that for licensing. And then mm-hmm. that's money that they can then funnel back into promoting the film. Plus they get the advertising as part of the collaboration. So it's a very clever partnership. And I don't think that Barbie is a brand that can be oversaturated because we've always been used to seeing it. Um, you know, uh, we've, we've seen it for years and years and years. So mm. it was just very smart and there were some great, I, I don't think I've seen a bad Barbie collaboration. I've seen a lot, but I've seen there like strange ones, unexpected, Yeah, ones. totally unexpected ones, but it's kind of great for them to, to go out on a bit of a ledge, but Back to your question, I was lucky Mm. enough to see the first 20 minutes of the film quite a while ago, and I got to do that as part of chatting with Margot, and Mm -hmm. that was just like Christmas. Like, when we went in and (laughs) saw that, like, you know, all sorts of NDAs had to be signed and stuff like that, and it was really, really exciting. So I kind of had a bit of an idea from that point what the movie was about, but I definitely Mm had my um, idea of what I thought it would be. And then it was kind of confirmed when I watched it. But what Mm. I did come out of it saying, what I've been saying to people is using words like silly, camp, fun. It's really got a very Australian feel to it. And people get a bit confused when I say that. But what I mean is it's very obvious that Margot as a producer and her husband as I think he was an executive producer They have had a very big influence on the tone of this and what the jokes Mm. are. The jokes are very, um, you know, like taking the mickey out of yourself. They're very self-aware, you know, and it's very Australian. I think in particular um, our audience is going to really resonate with it because we joke around with each other like that. And, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of um, people from the UK and I was talking to an Irish guy the other day and he was saying how it just reminds him of home. So I think that that was very clever the way that they did that. And so I kind of walked out of the film, yeah, basically saying silly fun camp with a beautiful heart in a storyline as well. And a Mm. bit of a mother daughter story was kind of like what I picked up from it. I think
2: let's start with how the film opens just to lean into your point uh, about the first 20 minutes that you did see, and then got to experience again when you saw the full feature length. So we do open up with Barbie and Ken who are living their best lives in Barbie Mm -hmm. land everything is perfect
3: mm-hmm. and every
2: day is as you mentioned before the best day ever, ever which is an angle that this movie and barbie especially margot robbie's character really really leans into and that's her life every day mm-hmm. is the best day ever and she just loves it and i i loved the opening scene which you know introduces us to the idealistic world of barbie land and all the roles that the barbies and kens play within their own utopian society it's it's a girl's world in there yeah and ken is is just can, right? Literally. As part of the marketing material, all <laughs> that sort of stuff. So it starts to unpack all, all of that narrative. And thanks to Barbie, all feminism and problems have been solved, right? But Allegedly. You know, <laughs> allegedly. More, more on that later. But now very quickly, because you said this film has a lot of heart and has a lot to say, this film becomes more than just a fun and satirical pink glitter bomb romp, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It has a lot to say. Now, Justin... This may be where you and I might start to separate in our experience sure. of Barbie. So I'm, I'm really keen to unpack this because, oh, all right, let me take a deep breath because Barbie presents as a commentary on society, the mm-hmm. corporate world, the pressures of perfection and how that ladder into one's self-discovery and adventure. It also explores themes of identity, what connects us, what it means to be a human, self-love, body image, equality, feminism, toxic masculinity, is that too much? Is it trying to say and juggle and do too much in this movie? I just want to understand how how you took out of
3: what it was trying to say and and did it work for you? I think it definitely could have been. And I feel like they must've pulled in the big guns to make sure that the The message was as clear as it could be, I think. Mm. And what I took away from it was all of those issues which will impact pretty much everyone. Sure. But the overarching theme that I got from it is that it's actually okay to not be okay and it's actually really hard to to do the things and in the film it is very um you know female centric and it's and they say it's very hard to be a woman but I Mm. feel like as a gay man I don't necessarily look at that narrative and go oh that only applies to women do you know what I mean Mm. like I feel like I've spent my whole life looking at that narrative and seeing parts of it that I can relate to as well because sometimes I do stand in the middle of the two sexes when it comes to you know what impacts me and what challenges I've had. 100%. So I yeah I definitely feel like that was the overarching theme that I got and I feel like that's how they were trying to tie it together was that mm. it's and this is the thing and I, I kind of like how I want to word it is that when you see things like cellulite and stuff Mm. like that being brought up and you think, oh no. And then my brain starts going, oh no, surely she's not going to be like, yay, the cellulite's gone when we get the resolution of the movie. But I feel like Mm. where they were headed with it was that they were saying, oh no, she's got cellulite. And then they were like, actually, it doesn't matter that she has cellulite. And she actually Mm. is, a great person on the inside anyway and i I kind of i mean that's probably my imagination going crazy and, and fulfilling the storyline in my head but i feel like that's what they were trying to get at they weren't trying for a beautiful happy ending and you will mm. know that in the very final scene when we see barbie and what do you remember where she's headed to at the very end <laughs> of the, yes, right so <laughs> yeah so anyone when you see the film i feel like mm. that really brought it home for me was that it's a happy-ish ending and it doesn't mm. always have to be. It's like The Little Mermaid. A lot of people notice in The Little Mermaid from Disney, they actually um didn't show the wedding between Ariel yeah, and Prince right. Eric. And that was deliberate mm. because they're like, why should a wedding be the happiest thing in the in the film i don't think they got married no and but in the animated version it was that was what it was it was the wedding and the rainbow that went over the boat and stuff like that was a very deliberate step to make sure that we weren't hinging these happily ever after moments on things like traditional weddings between a man and a woman and really Mm. kind of like hammering that home and i think they do it really well in barbie as well they they don't kind of force you into this, like, you've got to be happy at the end and you've got to be pleased with how everything turned out. There's resolution, but there's, like, a happy-ish ending, I would say.
2: Yeah, thanks for sharing that because, like, I have felt – like really tormented in my mind uh, About this movie Because And to be honest This could just be my own insecurities Like I wanted to love this movie so bad And I was yeah. scared to share with anybody That like I wasn't part of the groundswell Of yeah. Barbie is the best movie of the year And I'm genuinely so pleased That you got so much out of it And there is trying to say a lot And there's something for everyone in here My boyfriend didn't like it Right okay and, oh, and and he's, I mean yeah, no they're... I'm not cheering this. <laughs>
3: Do you know what so I mean? So he's on I'm your not team. Alone. He, yeah, no. And, and he was very open with me and he just said, sorry, it's just not my thing. Like, I don't like it. Yeah. And, but I'm, I can also appreciate that as well. And I don't think that you should ever feel like you need to, like, cheer for a film if you didn't love it. Like, you know, the, mm. and, and I will, what I can relate to with you saying that, and sorry to cut you off, but like, no, go um, for it. Thor, Love and Thunder, like I'm obsessed with Thor and I love Marvel and I love the Marvel movies and I'm actually a big sci-fi head, which a lot of people don't know. I love a sci-fi movie, a sci-fi series. I'm all about that, you know, and I didn't love Love and Thunder. I thought it was Mm. too silly and I feel like Ragnarok was the start of it and then just like it could have just stopped there because it was just like a bit of fun but then I feel with love and thunder it just was like I was like whoa what am I watching here I'm like let's go back to Ragnarok where it was like just a a little bit camp and funny and so and that's the thing sometimes you might love something and everyone else might love it but like Mm. if it's not your cup of tea it's not your cup of tea and that's totally fine it all comes down to Your mindset on the day when you saw it, how much you've been exposed to it in the lead up to your history with Barbie, like, you know, like we have, you just never been like a Barbie person or whatever. So I think it definitely comes down to that. But interestingly, when I caught up with Margot, her vibe was, if you love Barbie, you'll love it. If you hate Barbie, you'll love it. And if you're indifferent, you'll love it. So (laughs) they were just like, we want all the haters. We want all the lovers. We want everyone to just come and see it. It's very rare that you invite haters into
2: the conversation, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, so freely. But I mean, that's kind of the vibe that the film gives off. Like, it's it's about discovering your place in the world and everyone in it and finding space for everybody mm. um, and your interpretation of that. So, like, I I really admire Greta Gerwig as a writer-director. I think she's presented some incredible pieces of cinema over the years and For the most part in this movie, she has found a neat balance between satire, sincerity, and fun. Mm. And I admire her writing and direction here. Like, I really do. It just felt a bit messy for me. And the story wasn't so coherent, not so holistic as an arc. Mm. I think the script in some way needed to be refined and clearer. And I always go back to this thing about movies these days, and it depends how you look at it, because... I've I've also seen Oppenheimer and that's three hours. I mean, Mission Impossible did Reckoning part yeah. one is two hours, 45 minutes. It earns its length for some. I don't know how some movies get away with it and others don't. I feel like part of Barbie's problem was that it was almost two hours and I think it was just a
3: little too long. Mm. Um, See, I was going to say, do you think then mm-hmm. like that choppiness of the script potentially was because... Parts were taken out because I feel like that art Mm -hmm. of getting a succinct movie script within the right amount of time is such an art to that. Like, it's impossible. It's an
2: impossible task.
3: Exactly. And if you say to someone like Greta Gerwig, go nuts, let's write the movie (laughs) you want to see. And then she writes a movie that's four hours long. And then they yeah. go, cool. Now we have to edit this down to three hours. And then she goes, Oh, yeah. and then they go, cool. Now we have to edit this down to two hours. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I feel like I would honestly say there are not a lot of movies that come out that really nail that. I definitely mm. would could probably almost give that critique to a lot of the films that I've seen that there's, it feels like there's a bit that's been cut out. And I'm like, wait, how are you connecting that A bit to the B bit? Because Mm. I can see where you had to take that bit out there. But also too, on the flip side of that, could we then be potentially saying, "Eh, it's too long? Like, but I get your point. Mm. You're saying it was long and it still felt choppy with the script. It still felt choppy. Mm.
2: Yeah, because I think as I... At nauseam listed out all those themes and areas that, that that the story is is trying to say. It was just a little overwhelming uh, and a bit exhausting because I, I don't know, like it just felt uneven uh, to me. And after coming into with such like a strong and fun camp silly opening, introducing us to the world, it then found some struggle in trying in the middle part to present all the serious themes, but still finding that tonal balance. Mm. And at times I felt it, it had to like literally stop to explain itself yes, and then repeat those things over and over. And so maybe like you're so pointed to lean on what you mentioned before, it's your mindset going into this. And maybe I was just a bit left of center going in the, the other night and, and I just wasn't fully open. I don't know. But then again, <laughs> I'm allowed to not like this movie Absolutely, too. Absolutely, you're allowed yeah. to not
3: like it. And I think that that's the thing is like they know that not it's not going to tick every box for everyone. And the mm. thing is too is I think the biggest question around this that I've had from people is, is this a movie for kids or is it a movie for adults? Great and question. I've been saying – I feel like it's, it's, well, it is a movie for adults, but it's actually a movie for adults who grew up with Barbies and Kens, like with Barbie Mm -hmm. dolls and Ken dolls. And it's for them to either take their kids and see it or go with their girlfriends or boyfriends and go and see it and still have a good time and have a bit of a laugh. And so I think maybe that's there was some, um, there needed to be some clarity about what the film was about because we have had a lot of Barbie movies over the years, all of the animated ones. This is the first live action. All of those animated ones are all of the tropes that we've seen before. It's a storyline that you could almost predict from the beginning about what's going to happen it's nothing new mm. whereas this was definitely targeted and i've been saying to people when they're like oh should i not take my kids and i'm like no no take your kids they'll love it but they'll love the fact that you see barbie's dream house and she yes. floats down into her car and the funny you know car chase scene and the running scene and all of that they'll love all that but they won't get the jokes we no, get the it'll jokes. go over their heads the, the whole the whole story the joke about the genitals just killed me like it's just so funny. <laughs> That's good. And I oh. really did enjoy I'm curious to know what you thought about Ryan Gosling's performance because I mean yeah. I love him. I have loved him in a lot of films, but I've also been very selective about what films I've watched him in. So oh. I feel like for me his comedic timing in this was great. And I yeah. don't feel like there was ever any awkwardness with any of his jokes. And he fully embraced, you know, the fact that he is a dad doing this for his children and yeah. you can really get that vibe from him that he was like, mm. okay, I'm just going to like be silly. I'm going to be the dad that rolls around on the grass with the kids and like, doesn't <sighs> care about what I look like. And, um, and just really enjoyed himself probably a little bit too much, maybe
2: a little bit too much, but he went balls to the wall with this. <laughs> he, <laughs> he gave really it everything. He had the time of his life and, in part, that makes you have the time of your life as an audience. So mm. I'm going to say that Ryan Gosling is the scene stealer of sure. the movie. Like he he gave it everything. Every time he he shows up was a delight. It was like he was in a perpetual state of a child chucking a tantrum. <laughs> I like, was about to say that. In a permanent <gasps> tantrum is basically yeah. what he was.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. it was
2: so wonderful. And like his fragile masculinity... And newfound love of the patriarchy is really something to behold here. Yeah. It, it holds up a mirror to the audience in such a fun way. And I think that one of my favorite scenes, not to go into spoiler territory, but there's some encounters that he has in in the real world when he first enters that, understanding the authority of man and the dominance yeah. that they have and his observations of that. And he's delighted that. his delight. And it was yeah. just hilarious. And I think that just sets you up for like, what Ken's about, um, but then what he just needs to discover about himself and the world. And, yeah, Ryan Ryan Gosling was uh, amazing. Uh, I have a question for you, though. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's so much buzz and noise coming out about this somehow even more than the lead-up. Oscar contender. For Ryan Gosling. Do you think that
3: buzz is warranted? What are you what are your thoughts on that, Justin? Well, I think the <laughs> thing with the Oscars is that they are a bit uncool these days. Like they are, right? you know what I mean? Like they're it's definitely great to see the accolades and for Mm. those people who we love to receive them. But like, I definitely feel like it has such a serious tone these days. Like when we look at entertainment, it's more, the awards are going to people who have had these very serious and rightly so. I mean, Definitely well deserved, but maybe it's time for someone who played an absolutely hilarious role to get an award. Like, Mm. you know, it could definitely be a way that they could see, um, you know, a different audience tune into the Oscars because they're at risk of, you know, not being around for much longer if they don't change something and Mm. maybe that's what could happen maybe we could see someone being at least nominated for a role and then I mean can you imagine like that will just create all sorts of headlines again and it will it will give a different tone to the awards ceremony which at times can be a bit stuffy and a bit old-fashioned as well and it doesn't particularly want to move with the times it could be he's just an Oscar nominee yeah that's what they'll go with he's just an Oscar winner and and Mattel and Warner brothers will just eat that up they'll be like you know you know so yeah hopefully fingers I would kind of like to see it I think it would just be not not from the perspective of oh he deserves it and what a great Mm. role he's played because I would think that about Oppenheimer like I would be like Great performances, you know, like deserving Incredible. from a different level. But maybe just mm. for a bit of a lull and and for the, the pure fact that he entertained us, which is what actors are paid to do, you know, yeah. maybe that's why he deserves a nomination or an award.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised and I would congratulate that uh, position. I don't think it's Oscar worthy. I've got to go away and think about that a little more. But what I'll say is that the comedies don't get enough uh, accolades in awards there are some incredible performances out there that have never had the the awards recognition i mean johnny depp broke some very new ground some 20 years ago when captain jack sparrow was nominated for best actor at the oscars for uh, curse of the black pearl but you know everyone was oh my god and he was incredible like he was absolutely phenomenal But there haven't been many more Johnny Depp, Captain Jack Sparrow since then. I think that's a shame. So even though I don't think it's like, give this man an Oscar, I'd be like, that's pretty exciting because we haven't seen a a nomination like that within the realms of comedy in so
3: long. No, and it bring it kind of makes me feel like, do you remember in the nineties when like all we used to get were like comedy movies, like The Mask yes. and stuff like that. Like I feel oh, like perhaps this could be like a a return to, you know, that kind of like genre of comedy getting a little bit more of um, a light shot on it than what it's previously gotten. Because also, too, people have got such a strong – sense of what they find funny these days and so very they tech, like probably would be like oh I didn't find that film very funny like you know what I mean but we're back in the 90s everyone's like oh yeah it's like all everyone's talking about it would not go down these days some of the humor in those <laughs> yeah. films but haven't for... aged
2: particularly well <laughs> <laughs> not
3: aged very well but yeah maybe maybe that could this could be a, a turning point and, and also to what I've been saying about this this movie is I feel like it's kind of what Unless you're someone who didn't enjoy it, um, it kind of <laughs> feels like it's what the world needs at the moment. Something just a bit lighthearted and it doesn't um, mm. take too much of too much brain power to enjoy it. If you just want to go and watch a movie and just like not really feel anything or greatly moved by it, then it's going to mm. be the kind of movie you want to see.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. There is an audience for this film and there's a lot to take away from it. Um, so when you come in with your new, unique perspectives and where you're at in the world, like there's some pretty profound, really powerful things that they're saying here. Mm. So, and I'm excited for people to to discover this movie and and have a really good time. Even though I didn't think it quite landed, it is a really fun time. And part of that fun comes from Margot Robbie, uh, who, who plays Barbie, right? She is Barbie in this she's just
3: everything how good is she she's brilliant she's she is fantastic and I think do you know what it is though Uh, some of the best encounters that I have ever had with stars is when they have more skin in the game I think is the term that Mm -hmm. you use one of my favorite people I've ever interviewed was Angelina Jolie but that was for a movie I think it was called Unbroken that she okay. was a producer on. And yes, so that's right. I feel like their approach to these films is so different because it's very well known that talent hate doing <laughs> press. Which is how I've kind of like, I've really taken that on board with my own career to make sure that every encounter that I have with an actor or a star is an interesting one or at least makes them feel comfortable. All um, your interviews are very interesting. <laughs> it's just makes me hey, stupid, your own... <laughs> basically.
2: No, you bring your unique flair. I would just quickly like your wonderful conversation with Hayley Atwell for the latest Mission Impossible oh, movie. She
3: was just lovely.
2: Isn't she just
3: divine? My goodness. Just a gracious. dream. Like, she's just so obsessed with her. So well media trained without. Being media trained, if that makes any yeah. sense, like yeah, she, she comes across so genuine. Yeah, and mm. it's the same qualities with Haley as what I found in Angelina was that. Yeah, hilariously, when I talk to a lot of actors, they tend to um, take your question and they answer. A invisible audience So they'll they'll often physically turn To an audience that's not there On a red carpet and they'll give Their answer to the audience which is such mm. a Strange thing to see when it's two human Beings having an interaction with each other right. Because they're performers and they're often used to Just being continually on show So mm. the, the similarities between Angelina and Hayley were that they listened In the interview and yeah. they they Didn't just hear the question they actually Thought about it and gave me an answer Great thing about Hayley is she gave me a little little bit of information about Tom that no one had heard before about him doing his own hair and makeup. And then the next that's night gold. I asked him about that. That's like, as yes. a red carpet reporter or yeah, an entertainment that's right. reporter. That's the absolute best thing you can ever get. <laughs> like that you get it like a little exclusive and then you get to follow it up with another cast member. And so that was like, I saw people like repeating my question on other red carpets in other countries, which was hilarious because it, You're it, a trendsetter. Made it into- <laughs> yeah. but, um, that's the thing with Margot is that she has more skin in the game. So she is more mm. invested in this than just someone who was just paid, filmed the movie a year ago and is kind of going, Oh, I don't want to get on the 14 hour flight to Australia and, you know, mm. be jet lagged and do all that sort of stuff. I, I want to just, you know, like, can we do it on zoom or, you know, can we just do the LA premiere? Um, because unfortunately a lot of press do ask stupid questions and they, they? they ask inappropriate questions. Mm. So one thing I learned when, when doing this job is that, talent are often just as nervous to be interviewed by you as what you are to interview them and so Mm. it's my goal in my interviews to just let their shoulders relax and like you know and, yeah. and let them have a nice time and actually walk away and be like, actually, that was a really nice chat. Maybe I don't hate press so much. Maybe it is actually kind of fun. <laughs> you are so nice. You come across so genuine when you do speak
2: to celebrities and, and you bring your own unique flair and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, thank you for sharing your approach because it's so true. I, I know when I've had like my encounters on press junk it's like I get so nervous Justin I get so nervous and you just I just have to remind myself to be myself and just yeah. have some fun and just be a little disarming which it, even though it may help you selfishly just to relax into it, but it, it will relax them too. And then you end up having a really genuine conversation. You have your questions to, to hit, but then you just feed off each other in the moment. And it's quiet. it's, there's nothing
3: like it, right? There's no feeling like it. And also to just be willing to chuck out your questions. And it's so funny because the yeah. worst example of that is when, is when I watch my, um the moment with Margot Robbie from Babylon, when her friends yell out to her, because I am trying my hardest to like get my questions through and I'm like, yeah. because the thing is, in a stressful environment, and I don't blame you for being nervous, because you know, at that red carpet, we were told um maximum two questions only. Mm. I had already asked one question, and I was already getting the wrap up. I haven't even hadn't even asked my second question, so yeah. I was feeling like I wanted, I needed to get something more out of her. So I was trying to steer her back to like away from her friends. And a lot of people online were like, "Oh, why didn't you let her go and talk to her friends?" And I'm like, "Listen, I'm trying to do my job, but <laughs> you don't understand. Did I know. Yeah, <laughs> and at the time you don't realize that like it's going to be a viral moment you can't predict Mm. what's going to be a viral moment um and then you know people don't uh, don't know these days but in a post-covid world time is just the Biggest, most valuable asset that everyone has, and so when you yes. do press junkets these days, um, you know previously you would get eight or nine minutes with someone. Now mm. you get four. Yeah,
2: or so three. I've had three, before. three, and that's so impossible. in order,
3: it's, it's <laughs> you can't even get one question out and a response, yeah. and so yeah. you have to build rapport. You've got to like mm. you know um, get a great answer out of someone and something that's different, and so it, it can be really tricky. And I have found myself getting a little anxious about those particularly mm. those quick chats these days. But I try and treat them like a red carpet because I've looked down at my red mm. carpet mic before and had 48 seconds has been the entire interview. And oh so you get really good at like building rapport making making good impression, getting your question across and almost leading the talent to the answer that you know you want. Uh, yes. And they'll appreciate that as well because they're like, oh mm. good, you're like helping me get to the answer that you want as opposed to me having to stand here and be like, mm, because like just to veer completely off topic, for a minute. One of the worst interviews I ever had was with Mark Wahlberg. It was for a Transformers movie and it was because he was jet lagged. He was tired. Mm. A lot of actors generally have a a bunch of prescripted answers that they like to give you because they are feeling nervous about Mm. what it is that you're going to talk about. And so for him, I asked him a question. And like I said, I'm a sci fi nerd. I love Transformers. I grew up watching them and playing with them as a kid. So I think I asked him a question, like, you know, um, if you could give the All Spark to, um, and tell me if I'm geeking out too hard on you here, but I was I like, if, if, it, if you could give the All Spark to any appliance in your house to make your life easier, what would you give it to? And he just That's such a me. good
1: question. That is what I thought, Tim. That's so I was fun. like,
3: and I, I was thinking he could be like, and again, leading him to the answer, he could be like, oh, the ovens, So I didn't have to cook or the dishwasher. So I didn't have to do the dishes or whatever. He just blanked me. And he's like, man, I don't know. And I was like, oh, God. oh my oh God. Man. I'm like, I have two questions with you and you just blanked me on one of them. My time is, like, running out. And so sometimes you get those people. And um, funnily enough, other people have said to me they've had great interviews with Mark. Mm. And it wasn't until I kind of then lent on a question that I hate asking and I've heard many people do and still do to this day, and that's like mm. what was your favourite part of shooting this film. Oh, and yeah. then he kind of, like, came alive. And he was like, wow, yeah. we shot this soon and we did, a, you know, a great – street scene and this and that and I was like oh okay cool he just mustn't have been in the mood to to answer any questions that like weren't in his script in his mind that day so yeah it can be a real challenge yeah exactly and in your experience you thought I've got to
2: rescue this and I've got to use I have to a a classic one out of the box that I know they can answer get us back on
3: track and then absolutely because you don't want to go along to a red carpet and stand there for hours and walk away with nothing um Mm -hmm. but there definitely is a fine line and uh, you watch the the Barbie cast doing this on the press tour you know for them avoiding giving the same answers over and over and over because if you're smart like Margot you know that Mm -hmm. like we see all the press doesn't matter where you are in the world we're like watching her today show in Australia and her today show interview in America and if she does Mm. the same answers for both things we're going to be like well you've been a bit lazy um but then you see some talent who don't mind you know that happening and they kind of don't have this idea of like that we are consuming and the way we're consuming media these days and we see stuff on social media and tiktok and if they say something hilarious and it and it goes viral they don't realize and then they try and do the same joke again people are going to be mm. like oh wait like why did you do that so well, it's like gaga saying
2: there can be a hundred people, people in the room but
3: hilariously that that kind of became the joke and it makes me wonder if that's what she was intending on doing like she's so the, smart the memes, Surely. and she's a smart woman. I feel like yeah. she fully intended for that to be the joke so that, mm. again, it got people talking about her in in a kind of like this is ridiculous kind of way. So I kind of love it. I'm
2: going to veer off into another direction because Please. I'm just really enjoying this conversation. We'll get back to Barbie, guys, in a moment. <laughs> but – Just on your experience with like awkward experiences with talent, I recently watched, I think it was MTV interviewing Pom Clementif and Simon Mm. Pegg. Well, it was just Pom at the time and they pranked the interviewer. I saw it. it. Isn't it
3: brilliant? Has that ever happened to you? When I've been pranked?
2: Yeah. Have you ever been pranked? I'm just curious.
3: And you know what? My brain straight away goes to how did they do that? They must've set it up with the publicist and it would have taken, you know, so, so much to get that across the line. And there are only Mm. particular brands like E! and MTV that could really Mm. do that kind of stuff. So my mind immediately starts thinking about the logistics of how they did it. And it was also really entertaining, but I've not been the person who's been pranked. I definitely in my early days, Oh God, you would just like, I think it, it taught me a lot of lessons because I'd go into like an interview and I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to play a game or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And I just got to the point where I was like, oh, actually, do you know what? It's actually really exhausting. And it doesn't come off every time. Like, mm. And in that situation, you're relying on the MTV reporter to react and be horrified. But, but if she thinks it's real and she's trying to like, you know, save the moment or she's not giving you the reactions that you want, it actually really you know, kind of like hinges on their reaction and hers was brilliant. Mm. She was, she wasn't too over the top, but she definitely was super awkward. I gave up playing games and and stuff like that and decided to venture down the track of more um, thoughtful yet funny or like, um, you know, questions that have never been asked or answered. And the thing with that is it takes a lot of research and Mm. the benefit to that is that every time you speak to someone from a film, or a celebrity, they pretty much assume that you know everything about them and their career from the first day that they stepped onto a set. And a lot of people don't do research like that and it can be time consuming, but because of the way I've chosen to do my interviews now, I kind of do that by accident. I kind of like consume like all these different uh, media interviews. And because Australia is often the last on the list, I yeah. see everything that they've done and I'm kind of like, cool, don't ask that, don't ask that. And that's mm-hmm. been done a million times and like don't ask that question. So I wouldn't mind it. If they wanted to prank me like that, I would absolutely play along. But what would be horrible is if I played along with it and then it wasn't a prank, wasn't that a prank. would be awful. <laughs> and then you get cancelled because of Could the Could you imagine? You oh, my God. And, and this is the thing about being cancelled is that every, what I've come to learn in the recent years of my career is that Every time you put uh, an interview with a celebrity up, you have to be ready for a lot of criticism, a lot of criticism. And Mm -hmm. the bigger the audience and the more the views, um, the more the feedback you'll get and the more negative feedback you'll get. And that's Mm. been a really tricky thing because I might think, oh, this interview was so good and we had such a laugh and the, the publicist said that they loved it and you know the talent told their manager and when when you get feedback like that when the crew around you my favorite thing tim is when i'm doing a junket and i hear the crew laugh at my joke it makes me just feel warm inside because i'm like they don't mind breaking their silence when they're meant to be all be completely silent and they're giggling they can't help but giggle um and so i love it when that happens but when you put it online and it there are fans who are like, you shouldn't have asked that. Or mm. oh, didn't you know this about them or, you know, something like that. And they really will come for you and you have to mm. be super, super ready for that. My grandfather used, always used to say a opinions are like assholes everyone's got everyone one. has them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i agree just and that's the an thing Aussie you just thing. Thing. <laughs> can't take it personally you're just like whatever yeah. you are like a faceless profile on social social media who probably just really wants to be doing what i'm doing and you know and when you know that you had fun and the talent had fun and that's probably the most important thing that matters 100 percent.
2: Well, if you don't mind, we're going to go back to talk about oh, Barbie. <laughs> I That's mean, right. I, we were here talking about that, we? Were, we? I was like, what, where are we? Where are we? Uh, thanks for uh, joining us uh, back. We're going to talk about Barbie. We're yeah. putting out uh, jumper. Oh, did, did I show you? I'm wearing my Barbie jumper.
3: Oh, uh, I like that. That's super cute. Is that like a, is that a vintage one or is it a merch one?
2: No, it's, uh, I got it at JJ's last week.
3: Yeah, nice. See, <laughs> even JJ's are getting on the Barbie train.
2: Yeah, uh, actually, I think it's not the Barbie movie; it's just Barbie in general. See, like the actual you brand. fell for so, the trick. I fell for the trick. I fell hard, but I just <laughs> had to be part of the part absolutely. of the problem. I guess
3: absolutely.
2: Now we've talked about Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. There's a huge ensemble cast here, and if you want to pull out any of them that you that particularly want to kind of call out, then please do. But mm. uh, we have a wacky Kate McKinnon who's the so-called weird Barbie <laughs> weird in this. Barbie. Yeah, and she. Places Robbie's character on her Path she places uh, Barbie on her path You have Issa Rae who's the No nonsense president Barbie Freaking loved her in this movie Issa Rae what, what a is the
3: person I've been raving about Like her yeah. she is Very funny and I feel like I'm a new Fan of hers her right. line Like there's two things the first one When you know and it's in the trailer so it's not a Spoiler but they say the president's here and she's like I am you're welcome <laughs> like that's the Tone yeah. of her comedy the whole way through And I gotta tell anyone listening to this, there's a line that she says at the end of the film when they're in Barbie Land and it had me screaming. I was like, how did Mattel let them say that? That is so breaking the Barbie character. It just was like, and it was perfectly timed because there couldn't have been a lot of that kind of those, those kind of lines, but it just, it really nailed it. And she was, she was in a funny movie. She was like a great different kind of comedic relief that would pop in and out every now and then in her role. Totally. She was really well balanced within within the story, mm. so it's definitely something that they
2: got right. And just to pull on something you just said then, like how, how – let's unpack this. How did Mattel agree to this movie? I would love to have been a fly on the wall when Greta and Noah are going to, like, pitch their Barbie script to Mattel and say,
3: can, just slide it across the table, mahogany table. Can we make this? Yes. <laughs> I reckon there was probably one one phrase, one – you know, like three words that probably made them say yes and that was one billion dollars. There you go. Yeah. Like, you know. Speaks louder than words. Yeah. And if you look at like how, I guess how progressive Barbie has been from a certain point, like Mm. she definitely had a lot of negativity around her, but some of that's addressed in the movie. It is. It is. Yeah, You know, even the uh, story around the creator of Barbie and her like court cases and stuff like that comes up. Mm. And, you know, I think that they kind of looked at it and went, we really need to embrace what all of these table of experts like Greta and Margot and all of those people are saying to Mm. us and I'm but I'm certain there were things that they were like no no we're not doing that I would love to know what they said no to that's what right. I want to know the, the, the director's cut for, for Could you specialize imagine only oh. Just like the really wrong jokes And there definitely are some in this film Where I was like Wow Like Mattel let them say that That's great Like yeah. I felt like it was It was definitely like the principal Being a bit cool You know for the students <laughs> Like <laughs> Like it was Mufti Day And it's like oh, Yeah the... exactly it, It's like seeing
2: your boss in shorts And being like I don't know totally. how I feel about this Yeah you're like I think this on. is funny <laughs> Yeah, They have knees yeah I no, And pale <laughs> legs <laughs> I've literally had that experience With one of my really senior bosses At a previous job I'm just like mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about Them in shorts yeah, But some, anyway Some lines crossed here Something's Some lines going crossed on. Yeah Gosh uh, We also have uh, Simu Liu Who's kind of a trash talking Ken In this and totally. he, he torments Poor he Ryan does, Gosling's Ken he does It's a good like bromance thing Going on there I guess And also
3: too I'm just realising that Oh, I want to say this without giving anything away, but you don't get sucked into having to resolve that storyline. You just mm. actually enjoy the the taunting and, sure. do you know what I mean? Like they didn't, yeah. like, you know, we kind of talked about how maybe there were some choppy bits. Perhaps that was potentially what was cut out was having mm. to give resolution to Simu's, you know, character and why he was being like that. But the thing is, yeah. it opens it up for potential sequels. I mean, I would love to see a sequel with the Ken's. I mean, could you imagine?
2: The writing's on the wall, I reckon. Yeah. Like, sure. Especially when pe- people react to Ryan Gosling's performance mm-hmm. and just all all the Ken's and then Alan, Michael Cera as well. Alan. You know, <laughs> bless you. <him. laughs> there's something There's something in there. There's definitely something For in there. For sure.
3: And would you agree that it was nice that Alan is not just a one-off? Like, he pops up throughout the film. Whereas I think, like, a lot of uh, mistakes that a lot of filmmakers get into is they go, oh, we're going to have this really funny character, and uh, but he's only going to appear in the movie once and then we're also just going to put that appearance in the trailer so then you watch it and you go wait like where was the rest of that character whereas Mm. in this film alan pops up quite a few times and he has a few zingers and he also is comedic relief within that comedic environment so i was pleased that they didn't just go oh he's just in the beach scene and he just is awkwardly like hi i'm alan like you know he actually does pop up in a (laughs) few different spots which was nice
2: I won't spoil it because it was probably my favourite gag in the movie, but it relates to Alan and some other Alans out there. Oh, uh, yes. I don't know if you can recall. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I had to send to myself after that oh, I thought it was just brilliant. so quick, and they moved past it oh, really so fast. So you did enjoy it then? Oh, look, just I'm not a monster, <laughs> Justin. I'm not a monster because uh, uh, just after we, we wrap up the characters, cause I want to quickly talk about America Ferreira, mm. but um, you know, the, the visuals of this movie, that's what we're going to launch into next because yes. like that's the true MVP of this film from next my perspective. Level. So yeah, we had America Ferreira. She's in a crucial role and she brings a lot of that sort of like, obviously the human element, the heart and uh, some sort of mother daughter Mm -hmm. sort of story arc that you mentioned before. So, and uh, I wasn't actually sure that she was going to be so involved in the movie based on trailer Mm. and and press. I actually found it weird that Merrick Ferreira was following everyone around on the press tour
3: because I just thought she was going to be part of the ensemble, but she's quite a crucial role in in this movie for sure. And Mm. I loved her in Ugly Betty. Like I was just such a huge fan of hers. And when I got to meet her and you know, she saw my, cause like silly story, but like, I went along dressed as Ken to, to my interview. (laughs) And so um, the reaction that I got from the cast when they saw my outfit was exactly what I wanted. They were all just laughing and like, you know, the gasps and clutching their pearls (laughs) and America it kind of dawned on me that like when I was sitting in front of her, I was like, I actually loved you on ugly Betty and you Mm. like, I just was obsessed with that show. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, people probably have seen her in her other films, like the sisterhood of the traveling pants and stuff like yeah, that. I love and, that movie. Right. So, but I was kind of like, I feel like she fit really nicely into it, but maybe, yeah, maybe she wasn't made clear enough just how big her role was. I think mm. I probably assumed that she did have a big role simply because she was so prominent in the, in the press tour. So, mm. but had she have not, been as prominent in the interviews, I probably would have been surprised and would have been like, oh, she actually has a huge role in this movie. Good for her. And yeah, she, she's
2: just wonderful. I kind of wanted to be my mum, to be honest. Like, she's just oh, a cool mum. she's mom. so
3: lovely. Yeah, she literally, and, she, and you kind of really feel for her, you know, in her storyline. Like, yes. she probably is the one that actually triggers the emotion that, you know, And when yeah. I saw it at the no premiere, doubt. a few people had a few tears. And, you know, yeah. it's like if you're feeling, it's again, it depends on how you go into this movie. If you're feeling a bit emotional that day, um, <laughs> you know, it could probably be, yeah, it could be a bit sort of triggering for you. But, yeah, I thought she was great. I really enjoyed her and I, I really hope that we get a resurgence of her in, you know, kind of like more mainstream media because I definitely feel like she's been working consistently for many, Mm -hmm. many, many years, but Mm -hmm. this is next level. Like, you know, this is huge. And I really hope that, you know, they see that she is a a great actress and has a a lot of soul to her and she's generally just a lovely person. Yeah, she really is. Waving that America for our flag. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Now, it would be remiss of us not to marvel and admire the technical aspects of this film, because Mm -hmm. this is where the film truly shines. Now, Greta Gerwig has assembled a bunch of Oscar winners and nominated legends in costume designer Jacqueline Duran. She's won Oscars for Little Women and Anna Karenita, and she was nominated for a costume design on Beauty and the Beast, which was absolutely stunning. We have, uh, production designer, Sarah Greenwood, she's been nominated for Beauty and the Beast and Anna Krenner. So there's some collaborations over the mm-hmm. years there. Um, also for her work on Atonement, which is one of my favorite movies. And then cinematographer, Rodrigo Prieto, he's been nominated for, and th- this is where it's really interesting. This is the indie roots of Greta coming through. Yeah, uh, He he has been the DOP on Brokeback Mountain and Martin right. The Irishman. So you wouldn't really pair them with, no. Nubby, but what you have is just this trio, this particular trio of creatives that are partnering with Greta to bring one of the, just the most gorgeous film of the year. Like this has Oscar, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. there's a few holes in those people that haven't won Oscars. They're going to win Oscars for their work here.
3: I agree. And I read the other day, I think it was Perhaps Ryan, who was praising Greta's uh, preference of uh, physical sets over CGI. And I think it just is so important these days that we know what CGI is. And when we Mm -hmm. watch, you know, when we watch an Avengers movie or something like that, we, yes, we, we fall into the world of what CGI has created. But also too, there's just nothing quite like seeing a real Barbie dream house, you know, there's nothing quite like seeing and, and then also too, they took the step of deciding to make any of those pretend backgrounds like very obviously yeah. 2D. And I yeah. think that's probably where they did well. Mm-hmm. And I also heard that there was some um yeah, there was some like puppet work as well. And oh, I was really? kind of like pu- I was like puppet work. But then I think maybe what where? they were referencing were um, you know, when they're traveling, the traveling scenes in between oh, the two worlds. Oh my gosh, and course. there's like some puppetry going on there. And so Fantastic. that was Greta's choice apparently to to have um very physical sets. And also to mm. it's gotta help the schedule for filming when you only have two essentially two locations you have barbie land and you Mm. have the real world which sort of was like venice beach and stuff like that so yeah and it all sort of like looked like it was very similar you didn't have like a mission impossible where you're filming in 18 different countries and and the stress (gasps) of all of that so Mm. and Mm. i feel like because they knew they essentially had two prime locations they really put a lot of effort into making sure that barbie land shone out of everything you know the beach location and the real world location could have literally been anywhere It, it didn't really matter and it didn't need to matter but Barbie land needed to look good it needed to Mm. we needed to see the houses next to each other we needed to see the Barbies waving to each other you know Margot spoke about how on the set um there were some things that were 2d and there were some things that were 3d like when she opens the fridge and she you can see there's and so it was just very reminiscent of the actual toys and I kind of loved that like a lot it was just visually just so beautiful to look at.
2: I couldn't agree more. And just to build on that, you know, the film is very nostalgic based on your relationship with Barbie and all the pieces that come with it, but it wasn't so like dripping in nostalgia. It felt so fresh and new. And it was like an aesthetic that was like so wonderful and so tangible. And I can imagine that the actors would have benefited so much for being in a real set. I mean, there's so much like, Green screen, blue screen, in everything. You'd be surprised at what isn't real when you're watching TV shows and movies these days.
3: And I think people would be horrified if they knew what was blue screen, and green screen. You look at, like, The Little Mermaid was great, mm. but the whole thing was like barely shot in a real set. You know, it yeah. was you had um, Hallie Bailey up in a, you know, she was twenty feet off the ground, like in a in a kind of like wires and stuff, doing all of yeah. her swimming, and like you had multiple people around her in. Um, blue outfits so that they could be, so you know, taken out. At it. Yeah. And like, you know, when she's like moving along on the turtle, when you watch that, it kind of makes you go, wow, I just watched basically a computer generated film. Like it was great, yeah. but mm. very, very different. And I agree with you. Can you imagine what it would have been like for the actors to have been on set opening mm. doors and closing doors and picking up props. Yeah. And yeah, another um, film company that does that really well is, you know, the Star Wars franchise on now with Disney. When they did, I think it was Andor, they built the villages. And I remember one of the actors wow. saying in an interview that they opened up cupboards and there was f- edible food in there, but edible food from the universe. So there was like blue oh, wow. milk in the fridges there was there were snacks that you could open up and eat like you know it was like they went to a lot of trouble so that you could just literally walk through this world and you were convincingly in there and i think with barbie it was the same thing like you know you you see all the everything opening and closing and it, it adds to that layer of really enjoying the world that you're you're in for that little moment
2: Yeah, and and I think what you will hear very uh, consistently is even if people don't like the movie from a story perspective or its tone and they thought it was too silly
3: or whatever you take away, I will guarantee you that not one person will say that this movie didn't look good. I agree. And I think right. that's and I think that's what you're allowed to do with this film. You're allowed to 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 say like I loved how it looked, didn't love the story or you know like didn't find the jokes funny, but the or I did find the jokes funny, but I agree everyone will say this film was just so stunning. Agreed. There was never enough pink. <laughs>
2: never enough pink. Well what is this a true headline that the world was kind of running out of pink because they I, you,
1: I don't know don't think a grain so. of salt <laughs>
2: I mean, I was like,
3: well, I'm quite a gullible person, but I'm, I don't think I believe that. Let's take that with a grain of salt out of our barbie, salt, and, shaker, yeah, salt and pepper shakers.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, dear. All right. Well, Justin, I think maybe unless there's anything else that's glaring in front of you that you want to talk about, maybe let's give our little summation. And I'd love to hear your rating out of five popcorn kernels if you would like.
3: Hmm. I feel like, you know, just to touch on a few things that I've said, it's really important that people understand that this movie is silly and it Mm. is camp and it is fun. It is not a a live action version of one of the animated movies that you might've you know put your kids in front of. Mm. Uh, It's definitely targeted at parents, but not in an adult content kind of way that it's not appropriate for kids, but in the sense that it definitely has an adult narrative and, oh, we didn't talk about Helen Mirren. Oh, I yes. Can we talk about Helen Mirren? Yes, for a so, loved her work. Side <laughs> note, everyone, very interesting. I have, I personally think she was fantastic. Yep. I also had someone else say to me uh, that they didn't think she was necessary, and they thought oh. that it was it was too over-explaining the movie. I didn't feel that at all. I think she oh. has a beautiful tone, and she, and. Mm. It's kind of like when you see her be a bit silly and I really actually quite like that as well. And she has a few yeah. comments and she says one in particular about Margot Robbie. Yeah, it's great. And I think it was actually spot on. Um, but she's yes. not in it a lot. I think people should know as well. It's not she like, She kind of you bookends know, the movie. Really? She could say. She's yeah. not like, you're not jamming it down your throat. Mm. So it, but that was very interesting for me because it definitely um, got two very different sides of the story, but. Again, I guess because I enjoyed the film, I enjoyed that part of it as well. I don't know
2: for sure. But yeah. back to
3: my, what do you think yeah. about Helen?
2: Oh no, I, I I really I really liked her. I'm a huge fan of Helen, and like she kind of carried you through the opening of the movie, mm. jumped in halfway through just to yeah. say a little gag, and then uh, and then kind of wrapped it up in a you know really emotional way yeah. in, in what Barbie's dealing with at the time. So I think it was her use because with voiceover. It can be used at nauseam and it can overstate. Mm-hmm. It's welcome. I do think Greta
3: got that balance right um, with mm-hmm. Helen and her role in the film. Yeah. And before I continue my feedback, <laughs> the other thing I'm really excited about is I can't wait for Greta to be directing the Narnia Netflix. Yes, she couple, she's going to do a couple. Mm. Yeah, and because I love those films, and even though the ones that were done, I believe they were Disney movies. Yeah, think- between it changed. Production Maybe house like it was like Disney and 20th Century Fox yeah. at some point yeah I mm. quite like those films and I grew yeah. up Watching the TV show when I was a kid and it kind of Scared me a little bit and you know <laughs> I'm Definitely scary. would have read the books but like yeah. I quite enjoyed those movies and I think that I think Greta's going to do a Great job of those I think just Looking at the, the effort that she put into Barbie And how right mm. she got the world You've got another cinematic universe Where I feel like she's really going To pull all those references um, and The best references from the books and stuff like that to, to really nail those but yeah I digress um <laughs> yeah with Barbie silly camp fun easy to watch if you don't want to concentrate too much on it definitely aimed at people who had those dolls growing up and and I think mm. the even the boyfriends will find the jokes funny they'll kind of like do the the boyfriend ho 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 laugh at fine <laughs> gosling um and yeah I, I enjoyed good. it and I would probably go so far as to give it like maybe four popcorn kernels out of five I would wow. say maybe.
2: I'm so, as I said, like I'm I'm happy people that really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you got so much out of it, um, Mm -hmm. in all different angles. Well, this is my wrap up. So. Barbie is an incredibly ambitious film and I admire Greta Gerwig and the team for what they attempted here however as fun and fantastical as this film is it quickly became so focused on its incessant need to be a satirical yet profound commentary on the world and a woman's place in it it gets bogged down in its attempt to say absolutely everything about it leaving well me a tad dizzy from the experience Margot Robbie is really fantastic Gosling is a scene stealer, but not an Oscar contender, as is the sentiment and we discussed at the moment. Maybe a Golden Globe nomination? That feels about right mm-hmm. to me. A trip to Barbie land won't be the best day ever for everyone, but there is an audience for this, and the discourse surrounding this will no doubt be as fascinating as the marketing campaign we got in the lead-up. I'm going to rate Barbie two and a half popcorn kernel, so I'm kind of just on the fence. Right in the middle. Down, right <laughs> in the middle. Quite happy in the middle there. Now, Barbie is in Australian cinemas from July 20. And that's it for another episode of Popcorn Powers. I was joined by Justin Hill from the streaming service, which you can listen to uh, through listener. Justin, where can people find you on the internet?
3: Well, you can listen to my podcast, like you said, on Listener or wherever you get your podcasts um, as well. I have three episodes a week that drop on Monday, Wednesday and Fridays. And I talk about everything from TV to movies and what's on streaming, Uh, the biggest news about what's coming out. And we love, I love to talk about a, a rumored live action remake. It's one of my favorite things to do because there are so yeah. many that are coming There's our so way. Many. Yeah. Oh, do you want a handful? Like apparently we're getting um, yeah. Bambi, Um, yeah. we're also, they're also looking at doing doing a Tangled live action remake. Oh, give me that. So underrated. Oh, just the, And you know what? Give me all the live action remakes. I love them. I think they're fantastic. I love a universe. I love an MCU, a DCU, a, yep. you know, and these days a, a BCU, which is a Barbie cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you've coined it. you <laughs> yeah, coined right. it. And um, you can follow me on Instagram at just underscore hill uh, for all the shenanigans that go on with me on social media.
2: Uh, shenanigans indeed and fantastic <laughs> stuff. As always, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time. And thank you, Justin. It's been a thrill. Thank you for joining me.
3: My pleasure. See you at the next red carpet.
2: I'll see you there. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing.